Lord, you are here and we are here. Open our hearts to hear your word. Teach us that we may become your people. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Okay. I'm beginning this sermon with a disclaimer. Okay. I think I was so undone when I fell down the steps that I forgot the Gloria and the opening prayer. So you can say it to yourself. I'm sorry. (laughs) I'll try not to do it again. And, Joanne, I spilled the water. I need a lot of grace. Okay. Okay. So I want to take a quick look at the Old Testament reading for today. The 40 years of wandering are over and the people are now in the promised land. However, for the most part, these are not the people who wandered. These are their sons and daughters. It's been 40 years. The older generation has died out. And the younger generation has come into the land. And God says to them, today I have rolled away the the disgrace of Egypt. So what is this for them? It's a homecoming. It's a new beginning. It's grace. It's just all kinds of possibilities. And God tells them that they are to celebrate Passover. So what are they supposed to do? They're supposed to make a party. They're going to get together. They're going to celebrate the salvation. They're going to celebrate this new land, celebrate the presence of God in their midst. They are back. God has saved them. They were lost, and now they are found, and they are going to party. So Luke chapter 15 is a chapter of lost things. And we're going to back up a bit because it all ties together. But at the very beginning, we find out who is listening to Jesus. Does anybody remember who? The tax tax collectors, the sinners. Okay, now they're the ones listening. Who's grumbling? The Pharisees, the scribes, they don't like what they're hearing. They don't like grace. They like rules. Because then they can check them off and make sure they've done it all correctly. So these groups of people are listening to the story. And if we go back, the first one Jesus tells is the story of the lost sheep. And a sheep goes lost. The shepherd leaves all the others behind and runs and searches until he finds that sheep. And he comes back. And what's he say to his friends? Celebrate with me. Celebrate. Let's party. I have found that lost sheep. And Jesus says, that's the way God rejoices when a sinner comes back to him. And then we go on and we have the story of the lost coin. And the woman is cleaning and sweeping and doing everything she can to find this one coin, which is very important. And when she finds it, she calls all of her neighbors in. She says, celebrate with me. What was lost is found. It's back. I have it back. And so then we move in to the prodigal son. Remember, there's joy in heaven over one sinner who repents, over one thing that is lost, one person that is lost and found. 
Okay. Everybody knows the story of the prodigal son. But we're going to review it a little bit again. First of all, the father has two sons, right? He has the older son and the younger son. And the younger son comes to him and he says, Hey, Dad, how about giving me my inheritance now so that I can have it and do what I want, basically? Now, you have to realize that in the Jewish culture of the day, this is not like having your son come up to you and say, Ah, oh, can I have $25,000? dad to go out and live the high life. This was a slap in the face to the father. No good son did this. And everybody in the village would have known. They didn't have email, but it still got around. Everybody would have known what happened here. And everybody would have known anyway, because the son is leaving. So that's the first thing he does. He goes off to a distant country and apparently has a great time. says he lives it up. He's doing everything he wanted to do. And all of a sudden, the money runs out. Now, ironically, at the same time, there is a famine in the land. Things are not looking good, and he can't find a job. Not a lot of food, not a lot to drink, nothing going on. He's wandering around. He can't find a job. And the only job that he finally locates is feeding pigs. So he is basically living with the pigs. Now, this is a good Jewish boy who would not, for any reason, unless dire necessity, even go near a pig. And so he's now living with the pigs, and he says, I'd eat when I'm feeding them, but, you know, there's nothing for me. And Scripture tells us that when he came to himself, and can't you just picture this boy? He's dirty. He's nasty. He's living with these despised pigs. Pigs are not the least smelly of all animals. I mean, these are dirty animals. And he says, you know, I realize that my father, servants, his slaves are treated so well. I'm going to go back and confess my sin and ask him to make me a servant in his house. Because then I know I can be clean. I can have something to eat. Life will be much better. And he says, you know, that's what I'm going to try. So he's got a speech ready, and he's getting ready to go back to the father. Now, one of the things that I forgot to say at the beginning is I picture that father when the son leaves, watching his son go with tears rolling down his face. His son is leaving. Will he ever see him again? Will he ever come back? And so we find out that that father has been watching. We don't know for how long, but he has been watching, hoping, praying that this son might return. And so the scripture tells us that he sees his son in the distance and he recognizes him. Now remember, this son has humiliated the father. 
in front of the entire town. And what does his son do? I mean, what does his father do? He picks up his robes, literally, shows his bare legs, which no good Jewish man would have done. And even worse, he runs to that boy. And I picture him running to that boy with the tears just rolling down his face. My son has come back. My son has come back. And he grabs his son and wraps his arms around him. You see, the father doesn't really care about what people are thinking about him. He cares about that son who has come back. And so he sets aside his dignity, begins to listen to his son. And the son says, Father, I've sinned. And the father says, no, no, no. We're not going to talk about that. We are going to bring a robe. We're going to bring sandals. We're going to bring a ring. And we're going to put you back into place. Now, a robe was a sign of importance in that day. So he tells the servants, bring a robe. Oh, no, not just a robe. Bring the, what? Best robe. And a ring was a sign of authority. And sandals for your feet meant that you were someone that was not a servant. Most of the servants and slaves did not wear shoes. So he gave him dignity. Mark of a free man. And then he says, well, let's kill the fatted calf. We're going to have a party. This son of mine was lost. He was lost. And now he is found. The grace that this father bestows on this child is the grace that God bestows on us. And it would be very nice, wouldn't it, if the story just ended there with the happy party and the singing and the dancing and the fatted calf and the great meal, and we'd all be happy. But it doesn't end there. Then we meet the older brother. And the older brother is not one bit pleased his younger son has has returned. And he's not one bit pleased that he has a robe and a ring and shoes for a seat. And he's really not pleased that there's going to be a party. And so he says to his father, because he won't go inside. So this is out in the common area. He says, well, I've worked for you all these years and you haven't done anything like that for me. So, I, you know, he took his father to task which was an incredibly rude thing in that culture to do. No son spoke to his father like that, no good Jewish boy anyway, Um, particularly in front of the neighbors and the friends that had been invited. So now we're confronted with this son. And honestly, he's, um, he's pretty nasty to his dad. So... older brother refuses to go in the party. He will not be civil. He will not celebrate. He's been, after all, the good son. Done everything he was supposed to do. But perhaps the older brother's not such a paragon of virtue. He has been pretty rude to his dad. 
Is he lost as well? Is he only doing what he has to do because he thinks he should and not because he is being given so much by his father? He doesn't understand grace. He feels he's entitled to everything that's left. And in fact, scripture doesn't say that the younger boy gets another inheritance. The father says, son, everything I have is yours. Come party. Your brother is back. And notice the older brother doesn't refer to him as my brother. He says, your son, your son, not my brother. So here's where our story ends. We don't ever find out what happened to that older brother. Did he get better? Did he treat his father better? Uh, was there reconciliation? We don't know. So here's the question. Who do we connect with in the story? Who do we think we are most like? And I suggest we're probably most like both. The people, the son that comes home and is so glad to receive the grace and is humble and asks for forgiveness. I think we are like that. But... Do you ever find that you're a little bit resentful about somebody else's good fortune? Or, man, things are so easy for them because they have a gazillion dollars and I'm just getting along. So I think we have the older brother in us, too. We have to deal with that old brother, older brother in ourselves because we, too, are receiving the grace. We're invited to lay down that. And receive grace. We don't earn grace. Which is one of the reasons it's called grace. If I could work a little harder and earn it, it'd be kind of easy, wouldn't it? We could just clean up our act a little bit and I wouldn't have to admit that, boy, I really messed that up. I fell down the stairs. But hey, there's grace. So because we're offered grace, it's important for each one of us to remember that we are not getting what we deserve. We don't earn it. We can't chalk up. And this is where the Pharisees and scribes are really upset. I mean, think about them. They've been able to chalk it up. You know, I've got 47 commandments I have to keep here, 47 things I have to do. I can mark them off every day. Pat myself on the back. And go around saying how holy I am. Instead, Jesus has confronted them with the story of a boy who is living in a pig pen. And the father has thrown his arms around him and welcomed him back in. That boy was probably not really very cleaned up by the time he got home. But the father throws his arms around him. And welcomes him back in. The Pharisees and the scribes would have been beside themselves with that story. They would not know. And that's why they're grumbling. Jesus is not following the rules. He is not doing it correctly. So, yesterday, I experienced grace at Good Shepherd. I came to the food bank Yesterday morning, I'd been wanting to come for a while, and so yesterday morning I came, and I saw grace in action. 
People fold, unfolding bags, putting them together. People loading bags up with groceries. People pushing carts out. People meeting cars and saying, how many people do you need to feed? Two families, one family, three families. And providing them with a bag of groceries, with meat, with things that they needed, with um, san- products like toothbrushes. And it was sheer grace for these people. They did nothing to earn it. But it was grace. We gave, Good Shepherd gave out of grace and out of love and compassion. They provided for the needs of people. It wasn't the people's fault that they needed them. But we were able to operate out of love and grace and give to them. So I went home and I told my husband, I said, this was the most amazing thing. And I took some pictures of what was happening. And I'm still just blown away by the organization, the number of people, what happened there. So here we are, Good Shepherd. In a time of transition, in a time when we don't know exactly what the future will hold. And it's a time for us, I think, to really extend grace to both one another and to everybody who comes into our community. To let them know that grace is here. They don't have to do anything for it. They don't have to earn it. They can just come in and be, and let themselves be a part of a community. Thank you. (laughs) So, we're hoping to see some new faces. We're hoping other people will come. But as a part of this, most of us were in 9 o'clock over in the other, in the uh, chapel, and it was wonderful. I got to say, this is a little more wonderful than the chapel, but we're invited home. It's a homecoming. Easter is just a couple weeks off. I think we should throw a party. (laughs) We should celebrate. It's going to be Easter at Good Shepherd. Amen.